Well, Father Jonathan, how are we doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. It's been a quiet Sunday here. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Did you get to go to church today? <laughs> I go to church every day, Father. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Uh, how, how was church today? <laughs> well, it was small mm-hmm. and quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you went to church at home? I did. I did. Gotcha, gotcha. I um, I did not go... Well, I guess I did go to church at home since I live at the church. <laughs> you live there. That's your place. I live here. How was it? It was good. I um, It was one of those Sundays where I was given a chance to preside at two masses. Um, mm-hmm. And so I recorded my homily at the first... Uh, one and then it was nice to be able to compare after the second one when I listened back to the first one before I published it um, to see how I changed it, you know. And I I found that I was pretty good about keeping it the same while still being flexible, you know, and spontaneous. Yeah. But no, it was good. It was a good. Uh, I really enjoyed the gospel for today. You know, with the mm-hmm. so my my angle that I ended up taking uh, was how this is sort of a this story is a summary of like our spiritual life. That Jesus goes out to find us, you know, in the extremities of our circumstance, and he wants to have compassion on us and to heal us, and that's salvation, you know? And then he, yeah. and then he opens our mouth to speak, kind of what we were talking about last week, um, that after experiencing that healing, then we speak and preach the gospel. Um, yeah. No, so it was good. I did want to tell you, though, uh, one thing that was particularly unique this Sunday. So at the parish that I'm at, uh, before every Mass, we have a half hour of confessions, and this Sunday, I heard confessions right before Mass. And I got to tell you, man, there was something in one of the confessions that just really cut to my heart. Just really cut to my heart. And when I got up to the podium, that's all I could remember was that feeling there. And I was like, this is where I got to preach from. Not about, but mm-hmm. like, there was something about the way that this, confess, that this confession went that my heart was cut to. And I felt like I really wanted to preach from that space of like, exhorting the faithful to see how much God loves them, even in their brokenness, you know? Um and God wants to meet them there, you know, kind of like meeting this man born blind in the Decapolis. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of a beautiful moment of seeing how, like, being a confessor really can impact my preaching. Yeah, you know, I always found um, that oftentimes when I when I would do that, have confession right before right before Sunday Mass, uh, how much of my advice and, and some of the conversation would be kind of focused around what I was planning on preaching on. Oh, wow. At fir- the first couple of times, I was like, oh, my gosh can I even preach this homily if this person's going to be sitting there? They're thinking I'm going to talk to them. Uh, but then I realized, no, this is just the way that I'm kind of processing all right. of it, I think. Right, 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 uh, right. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, that is an interesting thing, you know, that we don't really talk all that much about is how, um, if any, that connection between, you know, the sacrament of reconciliation is with, with what we're doing up there in the, in the, in the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like this kind of spiritual advice, this mm-hmm. uh, sometimes chastisement, sometimes encouragement. Like, sure, I think all of these play into each other in a, in a way that I think we could be a little bit more explicit about. I wonder. Yeah, I I have a friend who uh, told me once that you know a priest a priest should be uh, there's a great value in a pre in a priest preaching to the people whose confessions he hears um, because it's in the confessional that as the priest you know what your flock is actually struggling with, like you know. Mm-hmm where their crosses actually are, and so it can really help orient your preaching. And I, and I really took that to heart, because I've been noticing that in me a little bit, where I, well, like, I'll just say one of the things I've been preaching about a lot this week is, and I've even said it point blank, where it's like, I just, I've been hearing this a lot, you know, hearing confessions that, 
one of the things that cuts most of my heart was when I hear people talk about how how like desperate they are or like how how much lack of hope they have. And I, that's been cutting to my heart a lot of like, and so it's led me to preach about hope, you know, is that, you know, we can mm-hmm. sin and sin has, you know, an out and that's God's forgiveness, but we should never despair, you know, because God loves us so much right. that he'll forgive us. And that's been really influencing my preaching where I've been saying that a few times this week, you know, because it's, it seems to be what a lot of people suffer from is a lack of hope that God will mm-hmm. do anything about their circumstance. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Did anybody yell at you after mass? Uh, not this week, not this week. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, one of the other, one of the other priests in the house did tell me that I need to be a little, a little slower. He said that he heard some feedback mm-hmm. from someone else and I was like, okay, all right. Did you hear this feedback from yourself or like what's going on? Um, <laughs> no, but I actually, I listened back on my homily today and I, I was, for some reason I was a lot slower. It might've been because it was an 8 a.m. mass and I wasn't, <laughs> I hadn't had my coffee yet. So, <laughs> oh. but anyway, so what do we got for this next week? Well, we've got uh, Peter being called Satan. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Hey, how do we feel about that? I so I feel like we talk about this when it comes up, mm-hmm. and I always forget what we say. So I so it's interesting. Last week I started teaching this class on discernment, as you know, and uh-huh. I find it really striking that um, you know when we talk about spiritual discernment, uh, not to go too much into insider baseball here with Ignatian discernment, but um, when we talk about discernment, we often talk about like what spirit is influencing you and like where, where mm-hmm. is this coming from? Is it coming from the good spirit or from the bad spirit? And so if you, ta- mm-hmm. if you take Mark's gospel here and you pair it with Matthew's version of this, in Matthew's version, he says, after Peter confesses him to be the Christ, Matthew says, you know, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for human wisdom didn't reveal this to you, but, but Almighty God did. And then right afterwards, mm-hmm. Peter denies the importance of the cross, and he says, get behind me, Satan. So, like, where, like, if you think about this in terms of discernment, you know, what spirit is speaking to Peter? One is mm-hmm. speaking to him to confess Christ in his true identity, and that's the spirit of God. And the spirit of the enemy is confessing uh, the, the foolishness of the cross, you know? So I, I think about that as kind of a cool way of looking at this, is how Jesus is able to name name the influences on Peter, you know, as he's confessing Christ and then how he's denying the cross. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that, you know, because we can take this so literally, and I think people do a lot of the time. It's like, wait, well, slow down, slow down. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what are we, and, and for that matter, you know, I think the this last part, we can, we can take that so far out of context as well. Which part? Like how many people, uh, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and oh, follow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, losing our, like how many people go to the extreme of whether it be physical penances or, or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Jesus told them to, it's like, well, that's not quite what we're And in fact, this is what this gospel is about mm. <laughs> that we need to be careful who we're listening to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so I think that's a really good maybe angle for this gospel, especially if you pair it with Matthew is who are you listening to? You know, um, yeah. you know, he's able to hear the voice of God that helps him confess the person of Christ but then he also lets himself be influenced by Satan, by the evil spirit that mm-hmm. that denies the cross. You know, um, like I've never been too drawn to extreme penances or even mild penance, <laughs> so I <laughs> I struggle a lot with that kind of with that kind of uh, spirituality. Uh-huh. You know, I see its place, but in my own spiritual life, because it feels like the life offers enough crosses <laughs> to you know for for one lifetime. You know, and so 
doing ex- excessive, well, excessive... We also have the cross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, our whole life is the carrying of the cross, you know? Our whole witness of the life of, yeah. of Christ. Um, no, it's good. That's good. Let me just zoom out for a second. I, I was struggling a little bit reading our readings uh, of trying to put them together. They just seem like three very distinct uh, scripture passages that don't really seem to gel with me. And so I... I am interested in hearing your thoughts on how you would maybe link some of these together, like the first part uh, and the second and then the gospel. But I got to tell you right off the bat, I just want you to hear this out, like put this on the table. I was really struck by the Alleluia verse uh, today. Like I was just looking at it and I thought I could preach a whole gospel, a whole homily on that. Yeah. It's just that it's, yeah. it's not from the second reading and it's just another, it's Paul. Like we don't have Paul in the second reading. And I just love that I, it's just such a, a battle cry. Like, may I never boast in the cr- uh, except in the cross of our Lord, you know, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Like, that's such a beautiful rallying cry, yeah. you know, uh, for what it means to be a Christian. It kind of gets to what you were saying about, like, the cross of the Lord is sufficient uh, for a lifetime yeah. worth of toil. Well, I think we do find that in the first reading. I mean, look at the very beginning, you know, the Lord opens my ear that I may hear, and I've not rebelled. Great. I've not turned my back. Great. Uh, I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked me, uh, my face I did not shield from buffets and spitting, making myself a fool, hmm. like by not defending. But what is the very next line? The Lord God is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. Yeah. Like I think there's something there, and especially looking at that Alleluia verse, like uh, who who is it? And this goes way back. I mean, you know, the, the, the distinctions there between, you know, uh, uh, King Saul and King David, like who are we trusting in? Mm. My own strength, my own armor, my own, my own, whatever. Or, or am I going there with nothing but a slingshot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, can I say this? This line from Isaiah: "The Lord God is my help; therefore, I'm not disgraced." Can I say this line from Saint Paul, and truly mean it? Mm-hmm. Like I never boast in anything except the cross. Yeah, and I think that's what. I think that's what we're getting at here with, with, um, with this gospel reading, you know, like which, which of these spirits are influencing my words Mm -hmm. to go to, to the letter of St. James, like which of these spirits are, which of these spirits are uh, influencing my actions? Yeah. Yeah. Like, am I just, am I doing these things for the sake of doing them? And I think that I can earn salvation. Mm. Well, here's a funny story. You can't. Right. Right. (laughs) Because that's been won for you already. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think there's this, I think there is this tension. And you know what? I think there's this great part in the gospel that I, that I always come back to anytime I, I pray over this particular verse. There's this twofold question. Who do people say that I am? Okay, great. But, but who do you say that I am? Oh, yeah. And I think that's where it really gets interesting. Like, yeah, we can, we can talk till we're blue in the face about, oh, yeah, people say that you're John the Baptist, Elijah, prophet, blah, 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 blah. It's like, cool, cool story. But what do you actually believe? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Actually, for me, the most important word there is but. <laughs> it's like like Jesus mm-hmm. is saying like, cool, 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 cool. But what do you say? You know? Yeah. And he's kind of, he's kind of like, you know, drawing a line in the sand and saying like, I get it. Like, I get it. You're, you're read up on the prophets. You're hip on what people are saying mm-hmm. about me. You know what's going on. But can you talk to me from, from your perspective? Like, what, what have you experienced of me? You know, have you been with me so long and yet you still do not know me? Uh, like, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? I just love that. It's like Jesus is really kind of kind of being like boldly putting putting them on the spot, you know, like, okay, okay, okay. But who do you say that I am? And like, 
if you're not boasting in anything other than the cross of Christ, you might not have an answer, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and we, we have the same kind of holdover from, from last week's reading, then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a theme that comes up. And I think what we came to last week still is in effect, like, be careful of what you say. Because it can be, like it is here with Peter, you know, in the very next verse, uh, influenced by the that evil spirit. Yeah, yeah. Like, be careful on what you say. Right. Don't speak unless you're convinced, like, if you act until you actually believe that, Lord, you are the Christ. Right. The Son of the living God. Right, right. No, that's great. I like that. So, so let me let, let's let's zoom in for a second on uh, just sort of to play devil's advocate a little bit. Like practically speaking to you, what does it mean to to boast in the cross of Christ? Like, what is what does that look like? What does that mean? Does that mean like we were talking about not going into the extremes of like penances and like having this dour look on our face? Um, what does it mean to just boast in the cross of Christ and nothing else? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think, like, so often our epistle gives us some practical advice. Like, uh, you know, this, okay, this, these verses here especially are, are the reason why Martin Luther hated the, this book, this letter so much. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of controversy surrounding it, I suppose. But I think there's something, there's something not only true, but very simple in, in what St. James is trying to tell us. Like, if you're not keeping these two things, your faith and your works, uh, rooted in the cross, rooted in it, and have, and have that be the foundation of everything that you do, then it's dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. And so, and so I wonder if that, you know, that boasting that St. Paul speaks about is not so much, you know, I'm going to stand up on the mountainside and, and yell at, at people, the things that I'm, that I'm good at, <laughs> Uh, rather it's, you got to put, you got to put it into action. Like if this is what you believe, then prove it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be that, do that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a tall order for sure. I mean, this is not, we're ta- <laughs> you know, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect kind of a thing. Right. Right. But how yeah. do you, how do you tie that to the cross again? So like, how do you, how does that kind of like the works, how are you tying that back to boasting in the cross? Like. Um, and not just sort of boasting in Jesus or boasting in, you know, the incarnation, but the cross in particular, like what, is it just the selflessness of the act of the cross? Like that's what I'm boasting in or the fact that I've been saved or, yeah, I guess I'm just kind of wrestling with that a little bit. You know, why, why does, is it because the cross is such a scandal and like Paul is saying, I boast in this because it is, it is particularly scandalous to think that I believe in a God who would love me so much as to die for me, you know? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I've I've never really tried to boil it down so much. I guess you know, is it just one of those things? I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it all of those things? P- probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe like you know, like what is what is <laughs> like that's kind of the fundamental question of of our faith. Like what is what is the cross and what does that actually mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, so much, and yet there's such a simple reality there that that God became flesh and died for our sins right so that we might live i mean and i think there's something there Mm -hmm. by living (laughs) we are boasting in the cross which won us our life yeah 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 it's uh, so i'm kind of playing with this idea a little bit of like uh never boast except in the cross like there's something very ironic in that statement because the cross is nothing if not a lack of boasting like it's it's humiliation if anything you know so it's kind of like Paul in Corinthians, you know, it's when I'm weak that he's strongest. Like there's this, this, yeah. this paradox of like boasting, it's not in, in failure, you boast in victory, you know? 
and the cross is failure, but it's really victory, you know, for those who believe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think there's something really powerful in that is that in my weakness, he is strong, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's, that's, part, I mean, yeah. that's part of it is that like Peter doesn't want Jesus to go to the cross, you know? He doesn't want him to fail. But it, Jesus is saying, look, this is my supreme victory. Like this is how, right. this is how salvation is won for you. Right. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah, there's just so much there. And I, and I do wonder sometimes if, if we, if we forget that there's that, <laughs> that good type of pride, mm. the magnanimity, mm. uh, like we can, we can rejoice that we have been given this, mm-hmm. this wonderful gift. And that's not the same as, as rejoicing in the things that I've done. Yeah. Like, look at how great I am. Right. Right. Rather, we and by the way that we act, the way that we live, we say, "Look at how great Jesus is mm-hmm. for all the things that He did for us." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I'm really drawn to what you were saying before, you know. And I think you were you were summarizing it well in terms of the spirits that we listen to, you know, and and the the works that we have, you know, are are evidence to the spirit that we're listening to, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like we had it wasn't last week, but the week before, I think, you know, that the the works of that that only that comes from within is what defiles, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so thinking in terms of like, if you're listening to the evil spirit, well, the fruits of the evil spirit are, you know, what Jesus was saying a couple of weeks ago, licentiousness, greed, you know, all that. And so there's something to be said there. Like if we're actually listening to the voice of God, all we can, like, if you're going to confess the victory of the cross and be able to boast in the cross, that can only come from God because the evil spirit can't mm-hmm. boast in the cross. Right. Boom. There it is. And there it and, is. Yeah. And a world that wants to sanitize the cross is a world that's dominated by the evil spirit. You know, you want to eliminate the cross. You want to sanitize the cross. Well, that's that's ultimately not coming from God because God's revelation and, and victory is one on the cross. You know, um, so. OK, hold on. Hold on. I love this. So what does it look like? What does it look like when when the evil spirit tries? Tries to boast in the cross. Like, like, how do we know that, that, that this is not coming from the Lord? Um, well, I think, so, uh, so this is going to be polemical, but I mean, th- there are a lot of readings of the gospel that are prosperity driven, you know, prosperity gospels. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you don't need, you need to stop suffering, you know, there's a, ch- there's yeah. a church in Houston and I drive past it all the time. You might have seen it when you lived in Houston. Um, and it's, it's the title on the church's billboard is stop suffering. <laughs> and I think I think there's something to be said about how kind of demonic that is. It's to say that there's yeah. this guarantee yeah. that you can earn salvation without going yeah. through Calvary. And man, and I think that that is demonic, not in a in a scary way, but in a really scary way. You know, not in a yeah. in yeah. an exorcism way like the movie, but like there's a w- way of saying that we're trivializing uh, trivializing our suffering and saying that our suffering we don't need that. Now we're, yep. we're not looking for extra suffering, but there's plenty of suffering already available. That is the conduit through which we find salvation, you know, and so we can boast in it, boast in our sufferings and boast in our weakness because that's when Christ is strong in us. Um, I, I think the evil spirit would certainly want us to minimize the cross as much as possible. Um, yep. You look at yep. look at the euthanasia, you know, uh, the manifestation of euthanasia as uh, the epidemic, let's say, of euthanasia. It's minimized suffering as much as possible to the point of suicide mm-hmm. um, because the cross is so egregious to the evil spirit that we'd rather murder people. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, not to be so polemical, Boom. but you know what I mean? I mean, no, I think that's a great example. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, um, so anyway, you got some uh, parting thought there? You know, 
my my parting thought is some I'll offer some advice to you. Okay. That I think it would be interesting. Uh, I tried this when I was at the parish, and to varying degrees of success. I think it would be worth doing a little bit of teaching in your homily about Ignatian spirituality. Okay. Because I dare say that the majority of people that you're going to be preaching to, even though they they go to a Jesuit church, they probably have gone there for a long time, haven't really been exposed to a lot of that. That's a great that's great advice, especially what you're talking about like with discernment, you know, like listening to the different yeah. voices. Yep, I think this is a great uh, uh, a great time to to do that. Good to give them some language to talk about something that they've probably been struggling with in their own heart. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, like. If, if you can confess Jesus as the Christ, but you can't confess the cross as the necessary path toward mm-hmm. salvation, then I have questions about who you're listening to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Cool, man. Sounds good. Till next time. All right, pal. All right, dude. Peace.